It is time for the very first episode of Canada's Court, your podcast for all things related to Canadian hoops. I'm your host, Philip Drost. Thanks for joining me. Well, it was a disappointing day for the men's national team. Canada fell to France 83-74 in the finals of the FIBA Olympic qualifying tournament. That means France gets a spot at the Rio Olympics this summer, and Canada doesn't. Canada was not able to end their Olympic drought. They haven't been there since the Sydney Olympics in 2000. And now, here to help me analyze this tournament is a man with far more basketball knowledge than myself. You probably know him from watching the Toronto Raptors, or maybe you know him from his time coaching at Niagara University in New York State. Either way, if you've watched any amount of basketball in this country, you've heard or seen him. Of course, I'm talking about the Jack Armstrong. He spent the past week providing analysis for TSN during the Olympic qualifying tournament, and now he's going to help me look at what happened. Jack, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for being our very first guest. Well, I'm happy to be here. Great, glad to be here with you, Philip. Uh, so what did you think of uh, the game today? It was a tough one, and, and obviously, I, I think if you you know if you evaluate the, the strength and the talent level and the skill and the experience of both rosters, uh, the result is not a surprise. Um, I think France has um, more depth, more talent, more experience, more polish from an overall perspective in terms of accomplished players, and it really showed itself. Uh, in the loss today. I thought Canada battled and played its hearts out and, you know, losing down three at, the, at half, down five at the end of three, uh, gave it their best shot. But uh, needless to say, the more you play, the longer you play, talent wins out. And uh, no doubt uh, France had more of it. The fourth quarter, uh, you could start to, start to see things drop, couldn't you? Yeah, you could because, uh, you know, I, I think in this – in any tournament, really, your guard play really defines you. And, uh, in the, you know, I, I said this yesterday uh, after the semifinal game that, you know, whichever guards play better, uh, their team's going to win. And today you look at Tony Parker, Nando DiColo, uh, those guys played at a really, really high level. And Corey Joseph, I thought, did a beautiful job early in the game. I thought France uh, – adjusted defensively, put some bigger defenders on him, uh, played off him a little bit. And, uh, you know, he had trouble with turnovers. Uh, I think I feel bad for Corey Joseph because I thought he played really well. He's their best player over the four-game tournament. They wouldn't have even been in the finals today without him. And, uh, you know, he had seven turnovers today. And a big part of that was he was forced with a weaker roster around him to have to kind of force plays sometimes because the talent level just isn't there. How big of a struggle was it because that uh, Canada really couldn't get a consistent three-point shot going down? That was a big problem. Uh, really was a, a challenge. Uh, you know, Brady Heslip uh, is a guy that, uh, you know, he's a, a high gun. And uh, if he's not making perimeter shots, uh, you know, he struggles to give you a lot else. And, uh, you know, they just didn't get a lot. Uh, from their perimeter shooting from a consistent standpoint. You know, Melvin Edgem played really well in this tournament for them. If I had to evaluate the second-best player on Canada in this tournament, it would be him. 
Uh, it wouldn't be Tristan Thompson or Anthony Bennett or, or uh, Tyler Ennis or any of those guys who are uh, NBA guys. Uh, you know, Edgem is a guy that uh, really uh, showed a lot of improvement this tournament. He's shooting it well. He's a relentless competitive defensively rebounder. And, uh, you know, that was nice to see. Uh, again, I just don't think this team was talented enough. Do you think Melvin Edgem maybe uh, turned some heads of some NBA uh, GMs? Uh, all it takes is one. Uh, you know, you just hope that enough people were watching this uh, that maybe would give them an opportunity. Uh, you know, I, I think a guy like that, uh, you know, gives you a lot more than some of these younger players that you watch in the summer league uh, that maybe think that they're entitled to something rather than have to earn something. I think uh, if you bring a guy like Melvin Engerman into camp, uh, he's hungry, he wants to prove himself, and uh, I think he would be somebody that uh, – worth looking at. And if that doesn't work itself out, I, I see him definitely uh, doing quite well again over in Europe. And you also mentioned the uh, importance of uh, Corey Joseph. How important is he going to be to Basketball Canada going forward? Uh, he's huge. Um, you know, I mean, he's a big part of it. Uh, you know, Corey is a, a, a great leader. Uh, he's a young point guard who, who continues to improve. Uh, he leaves his heart and soul on the floor. I mean, he's a very committed, loyal guy to the program. He played into the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Tristan Thompson played in the NBA Finals this year. If there were two guys of any of the guys part of the program that should have said no, it was them, and yet they were there. And uh, I, I really think that's something, you know, uh, that that has to be looked at in terms of uh, I know there are a lot of other countries and there's a lot of defections per country, but I think when Canada hasn't been to the Olympics in so long, uh, I think uh, there needs to be a, a matter of pride involved there that, uh, you know, you're doing everything you can uh, to rally guys to play. And uh, I, I thought it was very disappointing that this, this tournament had to be played in the Philippines uh, rather than being played somewhere in Canada. Uh, I, I think that every every step that needed to be taken uh, to find the funding and to play this tournament here uh, should have been taken. And uh, I, I'm sure it was. Uh, it's, it's disappointing, uh, but it would have been a lot nicer maybe playing France uh, in Vancouver or Hamilton or Toronto or Calgary or someplace rather than have to play them on a neutral court. And maybe that would have helped maybe keep uh, get some more guys involved in the program this summer. Yeah, and even having that home crowd behind you, that would help someone like uh, maybe Brady Heslop knocking down a few uh, extra shots there with the crowd support. Yeah, that never hurts. That never hurts. I, I just think that, uh, you know, but, it, you know, I mean, you look at the number of guys that played. I mean, if Tony Parker's playing for France, I think that says something. Uh, he's a more accomplished player than any guy Canada has, and yet he's playing. So if he's playing, where are some of these guys for Canada? And I think that's the question really that needs to be asked. I think Nicholas Batum has a more polished resume. Uh, a Boris Diaw has a more polished resume than a lot of the guys that Canada has, and yet they're there. And, uh, you know, so I, I really think that's something to me that uh, somehow, some way, uh, I look at, you know, as we go forward here, you know, focusing on 2018 and 2020 and, 
obviously the Olympics in 2020, but the Worlds and all those other things, uh, you know, there's got to be somehow, some way, a recognition of the fact that, you know, it's of national interest and it's very important for the growth of the game that, uh, you know, that the men's team makes the Olympics. It's, It's a big deal. So uh, I would assume then you were uh, disappointed that a guy like Andrew Wiggins, who, uh, I mean, his spot on his NBA roster is pretty solidified, wouldn't wasn't able to come out and play for Canada. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I'm, I'm you know, am I ticked off at him? Angry at him? No. Uh, I'm sure he has his professional reasons. He's got a new, you know, new coach, new management in Minnesota. I um, mean, that's his number one priority. That's his place of employment. So uh, he has to worry about that. And, uh, you know, there are similar issues with a few other guys, and some guys had contract issues in terms of free agency. Uh, some guys had issues in terms of uh, injuries. And I respect all those things, and I respect Wiggins. I, I just think you reach a point, though, where uh, it's always something. And, uh, you know, when, when there's great commitment, uh, that doesn't, the always something doesn't exist. Uh, instead it goes the other way and you just, in spite of all those little things in your life or in your career, you still find a way to make the commitment. And I, I, and I think that that is going to be something that really has to get looked at uh, in, the, in the next few years here because uh, this thing's building and this thing's heading in the right direction, but you also need something on a national level and on a world stage level uh, to solidify that. And right now, I mean, I think if you look at the growth of the women's game and the women have an opportunity to play in Rio, I think that's a wonderful accomplishment. And I think the men's game is growing uh, at a great pace, just like women's basketball. And somehow, some way, that has to be uh, reflected as well. So who would you say would be responsible for kind of instilling that commitment into the into the players? Well, I, I think the, uh, the good thing is Canada basketball has the right leadership in place, you know, with Steve Nash, Rowan Barrett, Michelle O'Keefe, Jay Triano. Now it's a matter of, you know, reflecting on what took place last year in Mexico, what took place this year in the Philippines, all the events surrounding it in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months in terms of the recruitment, retention, team building, uh, the program itself, guys coming in and out, uh, and, and kind of just kind of taking a step back and a little bit of a pause and saying, okay, you know, what's the plan going forward? But I look at where the talent level is going to be four years from now, and, you know, it, it, it's inexcusable for them to not be in the Olympics. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have a few hundred million dollars in NBA salaries, uh, you know, out there, uh, in, in players that are Canadian um, that, you know, in my opinion, will be able to do some good things representing their country. And now it's a matter of uh, finding a way to get all these guys together. I mean, the la- last year the loss against Venezuela and Mexico was devastating because, uh, you know, this should, it should have never come to this, but it did. And, uh, and we knew going into it as guys started uh, fading away, that you knew it was going to be awfully difficult in the Philippines without your best roster to win it. And, uh, you know, when you put yourself in that position, uh, it's awfully difficult to, uh, to, to react. Uh, to their credit, I thought they did a great job 
winning their first three games, put themselves in a position where they were right there going into the fourth quarter with a chance to win, and unfortunately they couldn't do it. So uh, I just think that now it's a matter of uh, trying to get an even greater emphasis across the country in terms of uh, you know corporate donations and support to make sure that everything is in place uh, to make sure that the you know Canada is able to put their best foot forward here the next four years and with that culminating on uh, the medal stand in 2020. I suppose the nice thing is in four years you're gonna a lot of the guys we have now in the NBA are pretty young. So they're going to have more experience. They're going to have maybe a few more people who have uh, won championships and maybe less of the problem where they're trying to get established in a rotation and that sort of thing. I hope you're right. Uh, but, again, I go back to what I said earlier. It's always something. And uh, that has to change. And uh, there, there's got to be a point where uh, it, it's, as, it's as much about players wanting to do it uh, as as it is the recruiting pitch and the retention pitch that's coming their way, that that players are calling uh, Canada basketball and saying, what do I got to do? I'll do anything to play for the national team. It's that big a deal to me. It's that big an honor. I want to be part of it. And I, I think that – and it's got to be uh, also a, a national thing where there's a discussion. If this happened in hockey, there'd be a summit – uh, and it'd be a, it'll be a matter of a national crisis, uh, you know. And, and to me, that you know, if Sidney Crosby or Jonathan Taze decide not to play in the Olympics, what would be the reaction, right? And uh, I don't hear any of that when it comes to basketball. I mean, it's just dead silence. And uh, you know, our sport isn't at the same level as hockey, but I think it's growing at a much quicker pace than hockey. And therefore, you know, we need all hands on deck or as many hands that are healthy that are on deck as possible. And, again, there's going to be exceptions in every situation. But there comes a point where the margin of error for a country like Canada isn't what it could be maybe for other places. And if, if other guys are making com- commitment to do it, why can't ours? I almost wonder then if it's you made a great point about the the hockey situation, but I almost wonder if it's a a unique thing to basketball because you if you look at the uh, U.S. team, I mean they've had very great commitment over the past couple of years, but this year you're, uh, you don't see Steph Curry there and LeBron James isn't there, but I suppose they did just have a pretty uh, busy uh, past couple months. Yeah, and I will say this: I think all the nervousness about uh, Rio and the Zika virus and all that, I think scared a lot of people off. And uh, I think that these guys were committed to it, and I think a lot of that scared them off. And, uh, you know, but, but on the whole, you made the point, there was commitment. And Jerry Colangelo, Mike Krzyzewski have done a great job with U.S. basketball getting the elite players in the United States to buy in to how important it is uh, and, and what an honor it is to represent your country. And if LeBron James can do it and do it for more than one summer, then your better players in Canada can do the same thing because LeBron James is better than anything Canada's got. And, uh, you know, so I, I really think that that's something now. Uh, and, again, I'm very confident in Steve Nash, Rowan Barrett, Michelle O'Keefe, Jay Triano, that they will uh, formulate a plan 
that in four years uh, we're looking at Canada on the medal stand. That would be uh, that would be a good thing, I'd say. <laughs> no, it'd be a great thing, yeah. and I think it's something that uh, all the momentum's building there. I mean, this is my just wrapping up my 18th year with the Toronto Raptors, and you know, obviously working uh, on a lot of different platforms, uh, talking basketball uh, nationally as well. And and I just I've seen it grow so much, but momentum's an important thing, and getting the message out and getting young girls and young kid boys turned on to the sport on a daily basis is vital for it to continue to grow. And, and, and also uh, that kids see those images of our athletes competing on the world stage, uh, that, that will really help. You can't tell me that doesn't turn a kid on to play hockey when they see our players playing in the Olympics. And I think it's the same thing in basketball that, uh, you know, you've in particularly the summer months where, Kids don't have school. They're able to stay up a little late and watch the Olympics to see uh, an Andrew Wiggins or a Nick Stauskas or, uh, you know, one of those players, uh, uh, Andrew Nicholson or, or Corey Joseph or Tristan Thompson playing in the Olympics. Uh, it, it starts that dream that young people have that they need to have. Uh, to a point you made earlier, you mentioned uh, Tristan Thompson coming even though he uh... – just uh, finished his championship run with Cleveland. How uh, impressed were you when you heard that news that he was going to be playing? I was very impressed and not the least bit surprised. I mean, he, you know, last year, obviously, the contractual situation in Cleveland, and as I said before, there are exceptions in, in some cases with guys because of those circumstances. But I give Tristan Thompson a lot of credit, uh, and he's a true pro, and he gave it his best shot. He looked a little fatigued today. Um, but again, he, he you know he plays with great passion, great energy. He's a tremendous defender and rebounder, and uh, you know he, he you know he was there to do a job and do a role, and he did it to the best of his ability. So uh, I compliment him and respect what he does greatly. So we uh, we talked about Corey Joseph and we talked about Melvin Edgem. Was there anybody else on Canada that uh, stood out to you during these uh, four games? You know, the one guy that uh, kind of intrigues me, and it's kind of a story we'll have to follow, would be Tyler Ennis. Obviously, he started. He's more of a point guard than he is a two guard. You know, he played in the backcourt with Corey Joseph, so pretty much they played two point guards. Uh, and, and I'm kind of curious to see how he kind of emerges as an NBA player right now with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's had injury issues that have held him back, uh, but he's a, a tremendous competitor. Uh, and a guy that I've always liked his playmaking ability and ability to kind of bring a group together and, and lead. And uh, I'm really excited about if he can stay healthy this year, where that can lead him. Playing for a guy, by the way, who was one of the all-time greats as a point guard in Jason Kidd, and you hope that being around him you know, will really help his game get to the next level. Absolutely. And another uh, player I thought was uh... – Sort of interesting to watch. I don't know if he impressed a lot of people, but uh, Anthony Bennett, he had some good moments. Not any standout, super amazing moments, but uh, what do you think he needs to do to get back into the NBA? Well, I'll say this. I thought Melvin Edgem played better than him. You know, if I had to choose and you had to tell me which guy would you take right now, uh, I think Melvin Edgem was the better player for Canada. 
over the four days, forget about the statistics, uh, just watching in terms of energy and effort and all that. I think Anthony Bennett's a talented kid, but uh, he's got he's to come with a greater sense of urgency on a play-by-play basis and, and be a guy that uh, figures out exactly what he is. He's kind of a tweener right now. Is he a, is he a four-man? Is he a three-man? What position can he guard? Is he an accurate and consistent enough shooter? Can he get to the basket off the bounce? Uh, has he figured out that maybe the, all you need to do is one or two things really well and do those things? Um, and, and, again, is, is that energy there on a, on a consistent basis? And, uh, you know, I got a chance to see him, obviously, with the Toronto Raptors a little bit. And, you know, obviously he's played for three NBA teams right now, and he's on the outside looking in. He's a good kid. And I just hope that uh, another team gives him an opportunity. But when they do, he's got to show up to the scene with an incredible passion and incredible sense of urgency. Uh, because just because you were the number one pick in the draft doesn't mean you're guaranteed a job. Do you think uh, this is kind of to wrap things up? But as Canada goes forward, one of the things I noticed is uh, the the teams they played, they all seemed to work so well together. They had a much better. They had a great chemistry, I found. How does a team like Canada work at getting that when they have so – now they have so many players in the NBA who have the have to play during the season. How do they get that sort of chemistry? Well, I, you know, I, I think France, you know, I mean, obviously you look at the tournament. I think France has a lot of guys in similar circumstances. They're all coming from different situations too. I mean, you know, they've been with the national program. Uh, you know, and played in different circumstances together. And I think you're going to see more and more of that from Canada as we go along. I think uh, the, the Canadian program, again, under Steve Nash, uh, Rowan Barrett, Michelle O'Keefe, you know, uh, and all their fine coaches on the men's, men's side, and, you know, even to the women's side, uh, I think the, the younger kids, the participation level and consistency there is at a higher level so I think as these kids move up and move into the senior team scenario, you're going to see even greater chemistry because these kids are that much more familiar with each other. So I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good development. I just think now that they just got to figure out how they're going to go about this. But uh, I look at where Canada and the growth of basketballs at now uh, you know, and, and I think that in four years, uh, that, that I have an expectation that, uh, and it's not unrealistic, it's realistic, based upon the amount of good players in Canada now as a basketball country, this is a country that should be in the Olympics, and this is a country that should have expectations for, for, for success. Am I saying gold medal? I'm saying that they should be fighting for a medal, and I, I really believe that, and I feel very confident uh, that that uh, could potentially happen four years from now. And how do you think you get there? I mean, you mentioned the commitment. Is there anything else that really needs to happen for you? Well, th- number one, the commitment's got to be there financially, and, and uh, somehow, some way, there's got to be a, a more of a sense of urgency with that. And you got to continue to uh, really make sure you're educating coaches and spending that much more time developing coaches and making sure that you got great teachers across the country that are able to uh, teach the game and, and bring the best out in kids. Uh, you got to uh, have people that, uh, you know, tap into the grassroots level 
And again, I think they're doing that. And, uh, and I think they just continue to really try to formulate uh, the ability on a grassroots level of, of getting the participation levels uh, to a higher level and making sure that uh, uh, the level of recruitment of getting kids that are potentially on the fence between one sport and another uh, to come to our side and come and play basketball and to, uh, you know, really uh, have it in place where, you know, kids are having every possible opportunity to, to play the sport and develop in the sport and to being really good players. And I, I think, again, all those things are starting to happen. I think the success of the Raptors the last three years making the playoffs uh, helps that platform that much more. I think the commitment of the networks uh, and, and the media uh, is, is okay. I think it can continue to get better uh, and has to get better. And the more publicity it gets and all that, the more it becomes a mainstream sport and a mainstream topic, uh, the greater the chances have of, of it succeeding. I, I still think that Canada basketball versus uh, Canada hockey, for example, Canada basketball is still a periphery sport. And, uh, and again, I totally understand and respect that because – the number one sport in Canada is hockey, and, and I totally understand that and respect that. I just think that basketball is a growing thing, and we have to recognize that it is, and we got to make sure people recognize that, the you, right people. Do you see it getting close to hockey ever? Uh, I think that'll be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that'll be <laughs> tough, which is fun, mm-hmm. which is totally fun. I have, you know, uh, it's like being a – it's like being a basketball coach at a football school. You know, like if, if you're uh, Billy Donovan and you're working with Steve Spurrier, and Billy Donovan won two NCAA championships at Florida, he was still the number two guy. You know, if you're, you know, uh, on the other hand, if you're uh, the football coach at uh, Duke, you know, you're the number two guy behind Mike Krzyzewski. You know, so uh, I have no problem uh, being number two. Uh, let's just... Let's do everything we can to make sure that when we're number two, uh, people know who, who we are and know what we're all about and, and that it's covered uh, just like Florida basketball is or Duke football is because uh, I still think that uh, in terms of coverage and all that, uh, you know, it, it still has a ways to go. But I'm, I'm proud to be working for a network like TSN that has, has, has stepped up to the plate and really – uh, tried to be a, a partner with Canada Basketball to make sure all the critical games are televised, at, which they were this week. And um, I think that just has to continue. Absolutely. Anything uh, else that came up from the tournament that you thought was uh, interesting or came to your attention? Well, the one thing uh, I'll say is that, you know, Nando DiColo, uh, who plays for France, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I really liked him uh, when he played with the Spurs, but he only he was a reserve. And I liked him when the Raptors got him. And uh, I look at him now and what he's accomplished over in Moscow and, and, and uh, what he's doing right now in the Euro League. Uh, and I think he's very, very happy playing there. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind after watching him play again to see where his game is a few years later, 
there's no doubt he can play in the NBA. He's a lot better than a lot of guards in the NBA. I think he actually uh, sort of saved the game for France while Tony Parker was still uh, struggling early on. I mean, he hadn't turned it on quite yet, and he was he was the one who was leading them at the beginning of the game today. Yeah, and again, Nicolo's, I mean, is he a superstar in the NBA? No, but there's a lot of second-unit guards in the NBA that he's better than. Am I, am I saying he's a, a, a starting big-time player on a winning team? Probably not, but I, he, I think he's a lot better than a lot of guys that come off NBA benches, that's for sure. He's a good player, and uh, if, you know, he, I, I just... What I'm saying about him is I, I like how he's improved. He has really improved, and he's really uh, having a, a tremendous professional career for himself overseas, and it's nice to see. You can tell he was a player that the Spurs would have drafted. Yep, he, <laughs> uh, you, you can. And, he's, uh, and when he played with the Raptors, I saw a lot of those same ingredients and qualities in his game where he really uh, was just an alert, crafty, player uh, that, uh, again, I think a lot of NBA rosters would be happy to have him. Well, uh, I would agree, and I think uh, unless you've got anything else you wanted to mention, uh, I think that wraps up our time. Well, my pleasure, Bill, and uh, thanks for having me. Have a wonderful summer. And I'll tell you on your point earlier about uh, the media and uh, promoting basketball, you've certainly done your fair share. I think well, everyone, I'm, I'm, everyone loves hearing you on the Raptors. Well, thank you so much. I do my best, and uh, more importantly, I just—it's uh, been a thrill for the last 18 years with the Raptors and talking basketball across the country. And uh, uh, I'm excited where things are so far, and I'm really excited not only about the future of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, I am really excited about the future of the sport of basketball in Canada, where it's going to continue to grow. So, uh, this is a disappointing day today not qualifying for the Olympics. Nonetheless, uh, you know, it's, it's not the end. It's just the beginning. I was kind of hoping that at, um, they would show a, a nice uh, block highlight during halftime so we could get a, get that garbage out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm in off-season mode, so uh, we'll have to wait till the fall. All right. Well, I will, uh, I will wait patiently then. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much for coming on. You got it. My pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. That was Jack Armstrong, former college basketball coach in the U.S. and current TSN basketball analyst. Thanks for listening to this, the very first full episode. If you'd like to get in touch, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Canada's Court, or you can send me an email at Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. But most importantly, if you like what you heard, Give this a glowing review and a solid rating on iTunes. That would just warm the cockles of my heart. And you could even share it with your friends. Take the extra step. And if you didn't like what you heard, the best rule of thumb is if you have nothing positive to say, don't say anything at all. I'm only kidding. All thoughts are welcome. I'm your host, Philip Drost. Thanks for listening.